I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises and the fears, the moments that form us and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and also the proud winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain, but choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us to all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. What we don't need in the midst of struggle is shame for being human. It's just one of the brilliant quotes, many brilliant quotes from Brene Brown. And one that I think that as mothers, we need to actually tap into a little bit more. And while we compare ourselves really negatively as women and as mothers and our bodies and our births and our careers and our decisions and our choices, perhaps if we all admitted that actually we're all struggling and learned ways to get past this and move forward, flaws and all, we could let go of whatever it is that is actually holding us back. Tara, you've moved your career into this field and dedicated your life actually to the magic of this. You've seen it work. What can we learn from this? It's incredible to watch someone in session with me take the mask off that they wear for the world. And I get to see into their soul. Um, I get to see the real you. And through coaching, um, I'm led into that sacred space with people. And it's probably it's it's one of the biggest privileges to have as a job. And I always say to my friends, if I didn't have to pay the bills, <laughs> I wouldn't ask to be paid um, for what I do. But it's incredible to watch the capabilities in a person when they're stripped back to their core, when they're put under pressure, um, when they've hit rock bottom and when they need to get back up. And what is life coaching? Life coaching is... A present and future focused approach to personal development. So that sounds like I read it off something, but that's actually what it is. Um, It's talk therapy. We work with where a person is in their present life, where they want to get to, what obstacles are stopping them from from getting where they want to be and what we need to do to move them. Um, And then we build an action plan in terms of moving them forward. So it's very action oriented. So it's not necessarily about going back and fixing anything in the past. It's about looking towards the future and figuring out, okay, me right now, who Mm. I am and the life I live. How can I better myself or how can I move myself towards the things that I want to do? Yeah, absolutely. And I always make the distinction between counselling and psychotherapy and coaching. Um, I suppose psychotherapy and counselling is very much has has its foundations in the past and those people are incredible at what they do. Oftentimes an action step from a coaching session will be that someone makes the decision themselves to go to a psychotherapist or a counsellor because the baggage that they're carrying from the past is it's holding them back and it's getting too heavy and they can't move forward in the direction that they want to go. It's too overwhelming. It is. It's like I'm carrying all of this. I couldn't possibly do more. Yeah. And it's really empowering to watch someone in a session make the decision to put that bag of stuff down. And to have someone that's trained open it up and take whatever's in it out and go through it. Because oftentimes behaviour patterns, limiting beliefs, the stories that we tell ourselves, those foundations have their place in the past. You can be working your life off someone else's blueprint and it's not getting you where you want to go. And you're staying who you think you are or who you should be or who the world sees you as. Yeah, instead of being your true self. So authenticity is something that I work with constantly. And when you show up in the world as your authentic self. It's the most liberating thing ever. I've seen it. And yet as mothers, and I'm me included, we put on this shield Mm -hmm. and we put on this armour of 
everything's fine. Mm. I'm absolutely fine. I can do everything that I used to do before and I can do all of these new things. And I I remember so, so distinctly the transition from who you were into being a mother and wanting desperately to just get it immediately and like have no flaws Mm. in the plan and everything is just perfect and I know exactly what I'm doing. And you can drown in that. Absolutely. Because nobody knows what they're doing. No, we haven't a clue. (laughs) Not a clue. Not a clue. Uh, My son is three and exactly like that, I tried to be a superhero and I watched myself drown. Um, It was one of the biggest transitions I have ever gone through in my life. That's the truth. And I sometimes, you know, I, I always say to people, surround yourself with really honest people in this transition, in any transition in your life. And I would say to my friends, I felt like one woman walked into the hospital, one version of me walked in to have my son and another version walked out. And that old version is up there walking the corridors of Castlebar Hospital. And I was fighting desperately to get her back. Do you believe that's true? I I, I think that's so true. I, I just think that's magic. Yeah, I just think that accepting actually that the woman that walks in is not the same woman that walks no, back out. She's not and she never will be. There are traces of the old you there always, but you are in a caterpillar transition phase and you are transitioning into something much more beautiful, but you are probably at one of the most vulnerable stages of your life. Yeah, you have this new little human or humans, depending on how many babies you have, and you are trying to get to know them. They are trying to get to know you and both of you are trying to learn the world together. And it's a very it's it's a rocky foundation and to try and be perfect off of that mm. is virtually impossible and, and the acceptance is huge the there's so many there's so many tips on things like you know the functions of motherhood yeah you know the how to change a nappy and how to do things mm. but there is so little around how to just be yeah how do you be a mother? So you, you you talked to that woman who who walked in, you know, anticipating labor, but not anticipating actually walking back out. Yeah. And I remember when we were leaving the hospital mm-hmm. and like I was so elated and I was so excited yeah. and it, it, it was brilliant. But there was also a part of me that was like, do they know that we're going? Do, do, do they know we're taking her? Absolutely. Like it, it, it seemed really bizarre. Like, should I not have sat a test? Yeah. Or, (laughs) you know, I have to get a license for absolutely every function, other function that you do in your world. But is nobody going to see that? Can I do this or not? I remember feeling exactly the same way. I remember looking at Kevin coming down in the elevator and saying, like, we're about to leave this hospital. Yeah, this baby. Do they know that we haven't a clue? (laughs) Like, Surely somebody should stop you and just kind of say, right, 10 questions, multiple choice, just anything. Even how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Do you know (laughs) what you're going to do when you go home? Shook. (laughs) And even the drive home was the most nerve wracking drive. Every bump on the road. Oh, God. Yeah. And you get in the house. And I remember like, you just sort of look at each other going, now what? Exactly, yeah. The reality. No, I, I don't know. Do you know what to do? No, no. Neither of us had a clue. And I had every book. I had every app. Um, I, I had series linked one born every minute. Yeah. And then my labor was like nothing. I was like, did I miss the episode <laughs> where my labor was? Because y'all, this is not what happened. <laughs> and I think I was my expectation going in was so different to the reality of what happened. Yeah. And. In, so I was starting off, I kind of felt at a, at a bit of a loss where I was yeah. thinking, oh, dear God, they lied to me. Confidence was rattled. OK, you know, level one. I was thinking, oh, how are we going to progress from this? OK, regroup, riga. And then you bring this tiny little person home and everything is different. Everything is different. And your son suffer- suffered from colic. He did. Yeah. When I hear people say now that their child has that, I give them two things, a cuddle and a bottle of wine. <laughs> because I didn't know what colic was. And I remember we went to the emergency room with Kai at one stage. He was crying so badly. And I said to my husband, there's something there's wrong. Something wrong. Mm. Yeah. And I remember we went in and um, a pediatric doctor did all the tests and looked him over. And they kind of just said to us, um, yeah, he, you know, he has colic. So you can just take him home. And I remember looking at my husband, you know, feeling like a failure that I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And terrified 
I was terrified. I, I in, instantly started to Google it. And, you know, I was thinking, oh, my God, what does that mean? Please, there has to be something that you can do. The powerlessness, oh my I'd imagine, God. is insane. Because, uh, yeah, you're looking for a solution. Mm-hmm. You just want to to ease this pain from your little baby. And you yeah. just, it's like your first failure. Yeah. You can't do anything to, to solve it for them. Yeah, and I felt like I was doing everything wrong. I remember one night waking at three or four o'clock in the morning. I was a really bad sleeper. And you do the night feeds and whatever. And I remember the next morning looking at my um, Google search history. And it was like, my baby doesn't like me. And I remember thinking, oh God, oh God, I searched that. That's where I was at. Mm. That's where your head took you. Yeah, and my heart and everything else because I thought the problem was me and I was the failure and I wasn't getting this right and how did I get this wrong and how was I going to continue and this was just the beginning mm. you know this was your new reality now yeah and there was no escape there is no refund no I <laughs> remember yeah, I said to Kevin look for the receipt we can't do this bring him back and it wasn't what you're anticipating and it's not no. this beautiful perfect vision that you had I didn't have that I did not have that. Um, my labour was difficult. And that moment that you see in the movies where they put your baby on your chest and you have yeah. this overwhelming sense of love, that didn't happen. And immediately... And it often doesn't. And, I and learned I, afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So many women are now like happy to open up about that. Yeah, I did not have that. And instantly my head was going, uh-oh, we didn't have the thing that happens in the movies. This is not going to go well. And that's only round one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all of my firsts yeah. were not what I expected. And chipping away at you. The self-worth was just being hammered away at, not my confidence. And how did that impact your husband? Hugely. Um, I was very career focused before we had Kai. Um, we planned to have him, you know, on the outside. Everything looked amazing. And then my husband saw this strong woman in his life beginning to crack Mm. and for him I think he felt he had to be strong but his world was turned upside down upside down and what we realised later I suppose Kai was probably three or four months was that Kevin actually had postnatal depression and that transition was something that was enormous for him for me for us as a couple but he really, really suffered. Um, and I read a lot about it afterwards. We went to the doctor and discovered that one in five dads actually suffer from postnatal depression. And he Which found it. surprising. It's surprising. I, it's surprising but, yeah. But, I, but because nobody says it. No. Like how, I, I know more than five men, but nobody yeah. has told me that. I know. And it was astounding. And I think for him to hear that was reassuring. Yeah. Because he felt weak, which is something... In a vulnerable state for a man, which is one of the biggest things, they need to be strong. Of course. Um, and I remember distinctly having a conversation and I always say it was our game changer. Um, Kai would start crying at seven o'clock in the evening. I used to start to sweat at a quarter to seven. Literally, like I would watch the clock. The panic. I'd be like, oh, my God. And he would cry for five hours straight, just screaming nothing would work I tried everything I had like thousands of euros spent in boots every drop every bottle every dodi every teat I tried everything and I remember we sat across from each other in the living room and actually the distance was significant so we sat at either side of the living room um, and we're a really close couple Mm. and I started to cry and I said I have something to say and he kind of looked up and um, I said I love him Kai more than anything I've ever loved in the world but I'm not sure if I like him and this was not what I thought it was going to be and he started to cry Mm. and he said I feel the same and we met in the middle of the living room crying um, and had a cuddle and I remember we sat down on the floor together and we said okay wipe the slate we need to start this together how are you feeling And we talked about how he was feeling. And he said to me, how are you feeling? And we talked about how I was feeling. And we made a pact to do it together, to start together, clueless as we were. And everything changed. Everything changed because I was trying to fit back in the jeans. I was trying to 
have the house perfect, have the baby perfect, have my hair done, you know, do the coffee mornings, do every. I was trying to be amazing. A superhuman version of you. I was smashed to pieces. Mm. And that moment, that that moment of vulnerability, which was exactly what it was from both of us saying something out loud and not knowing what the outcome was going to be, which is the essence of vulnerability, that changed everything for us. And I was I relaxed into it is the only way I can describe it. We both admitted to not knowing what the hell we were doing together. Um, and, and, ni- ev- and but that, but neither do like mm. I think there's so much. Whatever about how the struggles for a mum, I still feel there is so much more support yeah. in her direction mm. and so little when it comes to the dads. Yeah. And there's also this sort of belief that actually like the dads look to the mums for, well, you know, all the else answers. Yeah. yeah. Like what's wrong? What, you know, what should I pack? What yeah. should I do? What should I give? When mm. should I give? And, you know, it, instead of actually looking at it, my husband and I have kind of a, a saying of like, well, we're the glue mm. and we have to stick together because it'll all actually fall apart. Both of us. Yeah. And everything around us. Mm. If we don't act like glue. Yeah. And it can drive people in the opposite direction, too, because Instead of seeing the kind of the common enemy, yeah, <laughs> the unknown, yeah, um, it can be a blame game. And it mm. can be a well, you didn't get it right, and you know, yeah, pointing as opposed to saying both of us mm. haven't a clue, and both of us are struggling, yeah, and both of us have to stick together. Absolutely, and I remember um, my husband works shift work in a warehouse, and I would watch the car drive out of the estate, and there's a, a corner at the bottom of the estate, and he would press the brake as he would turn the corner. And when the brake lights would go on, the tears would just run down my cheeks because I would say, oh, dear Jesus, I have to do this shit on my own for 13 hours. And I remember thinking, I'll drive the forklift. <laughs> I can do that. You hold the baby. I'll be amazing in the warehouse. I was jealous. I was jealous yeah, that he got the to go to work. Yeah. The mental freedom. And he got to pee on his own yeah. and he got to have a cup of tea on his own yeah. and eat all of his food and chew it and swallow it and remember eating it like that is just like privileges. <laughs> and I think even the, the, the kind of clocking off. Yeah. You know, you're never off yeah. at home. Even when no. they're napping, mm. you're anticipating the next you are. noise. Yeah. Or you just, I remember always feeling f- like frozen. Yeah. You know, afraid to make a noise or Free afraid to, to do anything. Yeah. yeah. Afraid case, to breathe. In case your shift would <laughs> yeah. kick back in. Someone knocked at the door, you nearly killed them oh stone dead. God. Don't ring the doorbell. The child yeah. is asleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. Because then you're back on it going, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing again. Yeah. Please God, that was my five minutes. And Kai never slept. So like I had friends whose babies would sleep for like three hours. I was like, how do you, what, what form did you tick to get one that slept yeah. for three hours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kai would like sleep for 30 minutes. And then he would wake and that you might get to eat. You might get to put on a wash. Um, you know, you might. That was my reality. And there's no certainty. No. And I had planned this baby. Mm. And I felt like I had built a prison. And no one held the key. And I put myself in it. I had never felt so trapped. I couldn't see a way out. And I knew then I had hit my rock bottom. So where did you go to next? What did you, how did you break? How did you go from that person that you just described to the person I'm looking at now? Yeah. Um, I reached out for help would be the first thing that I did. So I, to my friends um, who were mums and some who weren't mums, um, I surrounded myself with really honest people and I joined a mums group and we met for coffee and it was just a blessing. Like the girls that I met, I'm still friends with all of them now. And they were so honest mm-hmm. and they said that they hadn't a clue what they were at either. Um, I spoke to my public health nurse. I talked to my mam. I let my guard down and I remember I went to the GP. Um, I spoke to a counsellor. I asked for help. I was trying so desperately to keep it all together and I couldn't and it, the the harder I tried the more the cracks started to show you're putting so much pressure on yourself to fix it yeah and but you can't do it you can't fix yourself no. when you're in that state no and so many things had to change so one of the first things that I started to do was to accept this is a new chapter Tara it's new and that's okay you know, I was fighting to still be the person that I was. Mm. 
she's she's in there. She comes out, you know, but I had to accept that this was a new chapter. Um, mindset wise, I started to look at what I was about to gain as opposed to all the things I had lost. And that's re- that's really important. It was huge. Instead yeah. of counting the things that you're missing, mm. maybe acknowledging actually the new gains. Yeah. What will this bring? Be excited about it instead of scared. I let go of perfect. And <laughs> that was probably one of the nicest feelings ever. I used to, in the early days, Kevin would come home from work at seven and I would get dressed maybe at five o'clock, <laughs> five o'clock, yeah. clean the house, spray the air freshener, put on makeup, yeah. you know, try and pretend that I had it all together. We've had a successful day. Yes, everything here has everything been wonderful. Where did you go? I went and I did shopping. No, I didn't. I went and I had caught. No, I did not. I was afraid to leave the house. So I let go of perfect. And if he came home and the house looked like a bomb had gone off and I was still in my pajamas and Kai was in a baby girl, that meant it wasn't a good day. And mm-hmm. we talked about it. Mm-hmm. And when things were hard, I talked to my friends about it. And I, I let go of perfect. It's just... It's the most liberating thing to do. And what did you receive in return? Because I think so many people are afraid to talk. Mm. I think so many people are afraid to let go of perfect and yeah. take off the mask. Yeah. So you you spoke, you opened up. Mm. Well, how did people respond to you? So many people said, oh, my God, me too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that happened. I was like, what? I'm normal. <laughs> We've all been feeling yeah. this. Oh, dear God. Is Where is this podcast? Why is this? <laughs> why does this? Yeah, I obviously didn't have this app. Um, yeah, it was incredible. And people had all this information. Yeah. And I was like, yo, why have you been keeping this yeah. to yourself? So like Wonder Weeks is an app that's incredible. Yes. Yes. I, when you know, your baby's on a leap. Yeah, yeah. The leap. Kevin used to be like, I think he's in the cloud. Check. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's in the cloud. I Some days I think I am still in the cloud. Nine, nine <laughs> there needs times to be one of, of those for women and for parents. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, you look at it and you're like, that's what's wrong. Yeah. It was the leap. But and actually, you, that's what's right. Yeah. Once you had an explanation for yeah. it, it, it all felt easier. Um, I brought Kai to a craniosacral therapist. I uh, started to do yoga. Like so many things that mothers and fathers were able to say to us. We did this and this was amazing. We were like, oh my God, thank you. So it brought in a world of information that I would never have had access to if I hadn't let the wall down. Which is the power of just talking. If we could all just, like all of us have gone through the struggles. Yeah. So let's be open about it. Mm. Share the tips. Yeah. Release the pressure. Yeah. And just get on with being normal. Mm. One of the biggest things actually um, that happened as a result of that and letting go of perfect was I started to enjoy my son. Lovely. Yeah, I did. I stopped worrying about whether the house was clean or what outfit he had on. And I started to look at his eyelashes and his little fingers and watching him start to notice things in the world. And I just I started to fall in love with him. That's the only way I can describe it. I stopped for long enough to, to be in the moment. I was either behind or ahead trying to beat myself up over what I had done wrong in the past or anticipate what I was going to do wrong in the future. Mm-hmm. And that's no way to exist. I was existing in fight or flight and what I needed was rest and recuperation. And I needed to stop long enough to enjoy my baby. And that was the greatest gift. And to find the joy in him. Yeah. And to find the joy in this new overwhelm. <laughs> yeah. And the joy is in the chaos. Yeah. I say that to people all the time. The joy is in the chaos. And I suppose gain wise, Kai forced me or helped me to slow down and see the world again. And it's the little things. I was in the garden yesterday and there was a butterfly and he was like, mom, look, you know, and you gain a second chance to see the world when you have one of those little people in your life. And I would never have had that. You know, he, he points the things in the sky or a rainbow or the grass and the feeling of sand between his toes. And you see the world again. And I gained that. All the normal things that you've just ignored because it's mundane. But actually and you're too busy trying to be perfect. Yeah. God forbid he, the outfit wouldn't be color coordinated. 
<laughs> Who cares what the sky looks like? <laughs> yeah. So I gained that. And, and I suppose letting go of perfect brought me perfect. Perfect was there. It was right in front of me. He was perfect and nothing else mattered. And I was bloody perfect doing my best in the middle of all of it. Vulnerable and broken and wrecked and my roots, you know, they were, I just used to tell people I had balayage. (laughs) They were so bad. And yeah, the joy is in the chaos. And then you decided you needed to make a career change. Mm. I was 19 years in retail. So I had an honours degree in business. I had worked in Dunn's um, at employee level all the way through college. And then I was with Super Value for 10 years. Started off on checkouts on a Sunday evening. I had come back from Australia. My dad had died very suddenly and came back with skint. Had sold my car, all the life savings gone to go to Australia. Started off on checkouts on a Sunday evening. And I think I was four months probably grieving. And then I looked up and saw the possibilities in the store and the store owner gave me an incredible opportunity to move up through the ranks. And I ended up running the store. Um, So there was myself and two other amazing managers and I had 42 staff and it was incredible. Um, I climbed a success ladder that I would never have thought possible. But when I got to the top, I I knew I had more to give. I ju- that's the only way I can describe it. I just knew there was more. Was it a good feeling or an yeah, inner voice? Yeah, completely. Just... It was absolutely intuition. Yeah. And I was terrified. Absolutely terrified. Um, But I knew the hours that I had been doing in retail after having Kai, it wasn't sustainable. And I wanted to have that harmony. I never say balance because it feels like it's going to be hard to do. But that harmony, that work-life harmony. How can I blend my life and my work together? Um, So I knew something had to change. And I explored lots of different paths. Um, and I say that to people all the time when they're starting to to look forward or think what life might hold next. I did not wake up one morning as the navigation coach. Um, it was a process. It was a journey. And I followed a feeling. So I wanted to feel free. Um, I wanted to make an impact in the world. I wanted to work with people. I wanted, obviously, the financial side of it is crucial. You have to be able to live, you know, and sometimes bills. people sometimes people say I'm not driven by money, but we all are a little bit because we needed to survive. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted a certain quality of life and I started to explore different avenues and I looked at digital marketing. I remember I did a course online at night when I'd be up feeding Kai um, I looked at health and fitness. I did um, food safety because that would have been part of the background I had come from in retail. I looked at auditing in that capacity to think, could I work it that the hours would be more flexible in terms of having a child? And um, and I, I did all of those things and it never just it never quite hit the spot. So then I looked at training. And I did a train the trainer course um, with an excellent company in Dublin. And on the very first day of training the trainer, we did like the icebreaker thing around the room. Mm. And the last guy was a life coach. And I remember thinking, he said, you know, I'm a life coach. And I was like, what? what is that? So the 11 it's, o'clock. It's a, very, it's a strange title. Yeah. And it's, it's never not it. very familiar to us. No. So the 11 o'clock tea break came around and I went over and I said, look, you know, excuse my ignorance, but what is it that you do? And he started to describe it. And I always say it was like a light went on in my head and in my heart. And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. Just that feeling. Yeah, I knew that's what I want. I was like, and you get paid for this. (laughs) He was like, yeah, Tara. (laughs) And I went back to my seat frantically under the table with the phone. Yeah. Googling. How am I going to make how to become a life coach? Yeah. Yeah. Top 10 steps. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) And um, I found the Irish Life Coach Institute uh, that day looking on my phone qualified in my as a trainer with my train the trainer um which is a great qualification to have and interviewed with the ili and i was accepted and i started my course and the very first day i remember going in and i knew i knew this was not it's funny when i describe coaching i don't say it's what i do i say it's who i am 
I've always organically been this person, but I never realized that there was a profession and a career and that I could make a life out of it. Um, it's also there's I think a lot of people are afraid of maybe placing themselves in that position yeah. where they could now actually start mm. being who they want to be oh, or terrifying. doing what they want to do in case actually turns out not so good at it. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like, yeah. okay, so I've made this happen now, but actually I'm now at my biggest risk yeah. because I'm so vulnerable to the fact that maybe I'm gonna learn now that the things that I wanted to do I'm actually not very good at. Mm. So do we hold ourselves into like, no, I'm just gonna stay in the job actually because mm. I don't risk the failure then. We do. And and I think a lot of people do, but what I would say is usually the fear is failure. Oftentimes, if you know that there's something in you, that there's more and that you're capable of more and that you're not fulfilled, then you're in failure. Failure is staying where you are because that person that you could have been will never get to see the world and the world will never get to see them. I would have taken the navigation coach to the grave and all the people that I've worked with and all of the amazing things that I have witnessed people achieve might not have happened if I had not been brave enough to step into the light. So your role in this is to help people achieve their missions or how does it work? So somebody comes to you and Mm. are they feeling stuck? Are they feeling like do they have to already know the end goal or how do they basically show up and start this process? Yeah, oftentimes what I will hear is I, I feel lost. OK, and so it's not actually about I want to get to I want to get from A to B. Will you help me get to B? Sometimes it is. But OK, but a lot of the time it's not. So I've had people say I want to get to um, base camp of Everest and I'd say excellent. Or if it's a health and fitness journey um, or if it's a career aspect but a lot of the time people come in and they are just feeling lost they're looking for a sense of direction um they don't feel like they found their place in the world they're not fulfilled lost is a word i hear a lot and i i suppose when i came up with the name the navigation coach it was because i was lost And I was looking for a way. I needed direction. I needed clarity. I needed focus. And that's oftentimes what people would sit in front of me and say. And I can imagine that everybody actually at some point Mm. feels lost. Yeah. And it's so common, but again, maybe not something that we know how to get help for. Yeah. And I I have a coach because this shit works. (laughs) But I would say that a lot. You know, I can be... To the outside world, um, I could have five projects on the go and everything looks amazing. But on the inside, I could feel lost. So I lost my own mam on the 28th of December of last year. And mam had been sick for a really long time. And in the grief, I was lost. Mm. I was lost. I, I didn't know. I didn't know how to process it. I couldn't come to terms with it. I couldn't believe my mam was gone. And that aspect of my life, that that emotional part of me was lost. And I coach people every day of the week. But when I sat with my coach, she's incredible. And she said, you know, that lost part of you, what does it need? And I said, it needs time and it needs understanding and it needs me to allow it to fall apart. So I took six weeks out of work after Mam died and I allowed myself to fall apart. Um, so, yeah, lost comes at so many different chapters throughout our lives in so many different aspects of our lives. And to be someone's port in a storm is a privilege. And I say that all the time. The work that I do, it's a privilege it's a privilege to get to see into someone's soul, to see them at their most vulnerable and to hold their hand as they walk through it. Like I say to people all the time in terms of life, we're all just walking each other home. That's so nice. That's what we're doing. You know, to be kind and to recognise that the front that you see might not be what's happening behind the mask. On the inside. Yeah. 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 
So when people come to you mm. and they're showing this vulnerable self, it, it, I, I kind of I have to I hear it as though it's like meeting you or, or having a life coach is almost handing them permission to let it fall apart. Yeah. Giving them a window actually in their life, in their time mm. to just relinquish all control. And is there power in that? Is there power in the like the acceptance phase mm. of letting it go, letting it out, letting it fall apart? Is that the first step towards building it back up again? Yeah, completely. Because the relief that's in it. I, I see people's shoulders physically drop two inches when they say what it is that they need to say because they've been holding it in to the world, to themselves. And I hold a safe space. That's what it is. It's private. It's confidential. It's just me and you and two cups of tea. And when they say what they need to say, physically, the body relaxes. But you make space. You make space for growth. You make space for change. It's incredible. It's incredible to watch what happens when someone finally has the courage to be vulnerable. And it's very action based too. Yeah. So you follow this up with mm. tangible things that is it to push boundaries? Is it to experience that fear of failure and actually recognize the success in it? Yeah. Um, I think that only by, you know, pushing ourselves a little bit all of the time. Yeah. Do we get to exercise that muscle? Yeah. And do we get to actually see in ourselves that we are actually much stronger than we knew? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. A lot of it is is pushing the comfort zone. Um, a lot of the action steps that, that people will decide to take will be very practical. So it could be, yeah, I really need to see a counsellor. Um, I need to speak to my boss. I need to talk to my husband. I need to speak to my mother. I want to send that email um, I need to change my behavior pattern around that. This way of showing up in the world is not working for me and I need to create some new habits to get me to where I want to go. And as a mother, yeah, obviously then that that transition mm. that oh, the woman experiences going into motherhood. Yeah. And as you said, how you show up. Yeah. And how you the metamorphosis, I suppose, of yeah. actually now facing the fear of failure, facing the letting go of the perfect, mm. embracing the chaos. What are the actions that you feel like women should be coached on more mm. in this phase of their life? The biggest one, the first one is acceptance. That that recognition, and I, I spoke about it briefly earlier, um, is that it's to recognise you are in a brand new chapter and to be your best friend. Like we're so hard on ourselves. Oh, will you stop? So hard on ourselves. I say to people sometimes time. when I do workshops, if I was to have a cassette and record your internal dialogue from when you woke up this morning until now, you would be mortified. It's horrible. Of and the I, things we say to ourselves, yeah. All of the time. Yeah. And it's a constant, constant, constant ticking. And yeah. it's, But how do you silence that? Talk back to it. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I have a, a lot of the work I do with my clients is we name it very powerful okay yeah give, so her, give it a persona yes because then it's not you anymore and if someone spoke to you in the world the way I, they've had so many amazing names Mildred yeah. <laughs> spoke to you you would not put up with that just punch her back you'd say Mildred yeah rain it in baby <laughs> yeah yeah you are not helping me in this moment no um why do we do that why do we sometimes it can be that coming from? yeah it can be stuff from the past um it can be insecurities it can be a story that we are telling ourselves based on something someone said. Um, and it can be very, very harsh. And when oftentimes that happens in sessions, I would ask that that person speak and for you to hear it out loud, the things that we say to ourselves. And it's incredible. Um, what does that do then? What does hearing it? It's do? very it's very different when you say it out loud. So the, the internal dialogue can be playing and playing and playing. But when you actually say it out loud in the world, it's like, oh, my God, people are embarrassed. Yeah, that is how I speak to myself. Mm. And I say, if you spoke to your best friend like, well, she wouldn't be my best friend anymore. You're like, no. So in that transitional phase of motherhood, be your own best friend. Tell yourself the things you're doing well. Talk yourself up. Don't pull yourself down. Tell yourself it's OK if you need a rest. 
Yeah. Be your own best friend. Because the critic is not going to move you forward. She or he will pull you down and that's not what you need. I don't think I've ever been as critical of myself as I was then. Oh, same. And now, yeah. still. But since since yeah. trying to navigate the world mm. as somebody who's trying to bring up a wonderful little human, mm. I, it's all of a sudden you're like just recognising all of these kind of flaws. Yeah. And I, I remember one of the scariest things I think that I was it I wasn't afraid of the labour and I wasn't necessarily afraid of even the life bit Mm. I was so afraid that she wouldn't love me and I was so afraid that she wouldn't grow up to like me or like just simply by like who I am Mm. and I think that like I I probably am not alone in that no you're definitely not so that kind of kicked off the like okay let's write a constant running order of things that I am just terrible at Mm. or who I am not or that you're just not good enough yeah and it's that it's I'm not enough like because I kind of look at her and I go like you deserve Mm. amazing things and I'm all you got (laughs) but I I think that that can't just be me no I think that there must be more women out there that are just feeling not good enough probably all of us <laughs> all of us and I would look at Kai and again it's perspective and mindset and I would like my in, my internal critic is harsh yeah. me like I go to war with her <laughs> I'm like girl rein it in but yeah I look at him and I often would feel not good enough but instead turn it around inside your head like I say to him thank you for choosing me to be your mummy yeah and he says, Mommy, he came in yesterday and I was welded to the pillow with my hair in a knot in the top of my head. And he said, good morning, beauty. Oh, <laughs> he's just brilliant. <laughs> I know. I was like, what? But he picks that from you. But it's learned behavior. He yeah. sees you, you welcoming him every day like that. But that is his perspective on the world. I am enough exactly as I am. Yeah, he's even just a happy when, little thing. Even when I feel like I am at my worst in the world he needs love and once I give him that I am enough exactly as I am so once we accept yeah and once we talk yeah where do we go what's next practically in life ask yourself what are the practical things that's going to make life easier so if it's you know have the shopping delivered get send the clothes to a laundrette um when people come in And oftentimes, and I read a brilliant quote, someone posted it on social media during the week and it said, everyone asks to hold the baby, but Mm. who asks who's holding the mum or the dad? When your friends and your family come to visit and they say, would you like me to do anything? Say, yes. (laughs) Can I have a shower? (laughs) Would you hold him there for five minutes? Or if someone offers to make food, say yes. Start saying yes to things. It's like accepting help is like a weakness. I know. And it's not. People recognize that you are at a vulnerable time. Start saying yes. Accept the help. Let the people in. Um, If they want to do something in a practical capacity that will be helpful, then say thank you. That's amazing. I think you feel like, oh, they're going to think I'm really pathetic. Mm. You know, I can't even go ahead and get a shop done. If someone loves you, will they think that? No, but I think... You're just locked in this feeling of I need to make it look like everything's under control. Yeah. And again, it's let go of perfect. It's that. And I would keep coming back to that inside my head. And I would ask myself the question a lot. Am I doing my best? And if the answer is yes, then well done me and stop trying to focus a spotlight on the one or two negatives from that day. Or compare yourself to somebody else's best. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Don't do that. (laughs) That's... And I think that's probably a trait, you know, amongst, I don't know, I don't know actually do men do it. I know it's definitely a trait amongst women of all ages. I think from very early on, you're Mm -hmm. constantly physically comparing. Yeah. And then there's, you know, you're comparing as to, well, who's making the right career choices or who's getting elevated or who's, and then you're into the comparing of this mother is mothering a different way than I am is yeah. that a dig at me somehow yeah. is, is am I doing it wrong is she getting it right yeah and again you know it's incredible um, your value system before you have a baby is completely separate and unique and different to your value system once you have a baby it's a really critical thing to do to reevaluate your values once you become a mother because the things that I valued before I had Kai have moved 
I now value completely different things. I was hugely career focused. Um, there were lots of aspects of my life that I had massive value on that are now no longer a part. And your values will also dictate the type of mother that you want to be. So sit with yourself and say, as a mother, what is important? What do I hold value on? Start with the end in mind. When my life is over, how do I want my son to have seen me? What memories do I want him to have? And now how can I start to show up on a daily basis that will make that true? And when your values shift and you accept your new set of values as a, as a mother, if you can start to live in line with those, everything will start to feel more comfortable in the world. You won't feel the need to compare because you will be doing you. So it's not staying stuck. No. It's not keeping the same patterns of behaviour or same choices. Yeah. It's recognising actually that that's holding you back from, as you said, who you want to be at the end of this day. Yeah. Yeah, it's that. And it's saying, you know, I often kind of a bad day and you might be like, oh, my God, you'd lose the will to live 15 times during the day. And then I put him to bed that night and I'd be looking at him sleeping going, oh, my God, <laughs> such a bad mother. So, Constantly do that. Like yeah. as, soon, as soon as they're asleep in bed, you're there on your phone looking back at the pictures of yeah. them during the day going, looking at them breathing, standing over the bed. Yeah. So even in the morning, say to yourself, how do I want to feel tonight by the time I put him to bed? And... Ask yourself what's needed. Mm. You know, if you believe in your guardian angel or whatever you believe in today, give me patience, give me understanding, you know, whatever it is that you need, put it out there, say it out loud and you will have more of that in the day. So I ask every morning for patience and understanding and to express love and oh God, so many things I ask for my guardian angel is like Tara, seriously, but we're busy up yeah, here. Okay, seriously, like, <laughs> please, we're on annual leave. <laughs> but yeah, that works. Say it out loud. How do I want to feel? Start with the end in mind. It can be the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of your life. But try and lift up and out of where you're at. Because okay. sometimes the emotion can be so huge if we're tired, if we're hungry, if we're stressed from work, whatever it is. Lift up and out of where you're at and say, okay, how do I want to feel? When I look back at this situation, how do I want him to remember me? And it can, it stops you dead in your tracks. It sounds like there's there's a lot of different methods and there's a lot of different actions mm. um, throughout it. But the one thing that I've noticed that you continuously actually say is saying it out loud. Yeah. No matter which stage that you've just described, mm. you must say it out loud. Yeah. What, is it just hearing it? Is it giving it life? Is it taking you out of it, it, the headspace and making it real? There's power, obviously, in there just is. hearing it. And it's exactly all of those things that you said. It's taking it out of your head and putting it into the world. It makes it real. It feels more tangible when you hear it said out loud. It's like a commitment that you make to yourself when you hear it said out loud. Um, it concretes it in your mind. It feels more meaningful. It changes the tangibility of it. So it's not just something that's flying around in your head. It's, so it's dialogue. Yeah. It's and like a promise that you make to yourself. Which is exactly where you started by saying that you fell apart and you had to speak out loud to your husband and yeah. speak your truth. Yeah. And I I would definitely live like that in terms of um, starting with the end in mind. And, you know, what kind of a mother do I want to be? How do I want him to view me? Will he remember that his outfit was colour coordinated or will he remember that day that we sat and looked at the butterflies? he's going to remember the butterflies <laughs> you know um, try to be present just slow down oh yeah we're moving at such pace we really are and get back into the driver's seat of your own life you know I, I hear that with clients all the time that they feel like they're moving that life is on autopilot or that they're like they're in the passenger seat and something or someone else is driving if you feel like that listening to me talking now Pull into the hard shoulder and ask yourself, what do I need to take control of? Where do I feel like I'm losing it? Do I need to ask for help? Start asking yourself some questions like you would to your best friend. And then get back in the driver's seat and put your two hands on the steering wheel. And I always say to people, life is like a journey. 
So when you sit into that driver's seat, look ahead, stay in your own lane, glance every now and again in that rearview mirror. If you drove the car solely looking in the rearview mirror and living in the past, you would crash looking at all the stuff that you did wrong and all the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Or all the other cars spinning past yeah. and they're going faster or they're a bit cleaner. Or Absolutely. So look left and right the mm. odd time. Mm. Mm. If you find yourself comparing, ask yourself, what does that person have that I want and how can I replicate it? Turn it into a positive. And then turn back and keep your eyes firmly in your lane looking forward. That's how you survive this journey and enjoy it. Turn on the radio, put the windows down. <laughs> and and sing. Yeah. And music and life oh God, and laughter yeah. and just have the have crack, the crack. With it. Yeah, have the crack. And I would say that as well in terms of a, a practical tool. Do the things that are fun. Yeah. Have the crack. Put on the songs. Dance around the kitchen. You know, meet up with your friends. Laugh at the stuff you did wrong. You know, laugh. And don't be afraid to laugh. And it's, get messy in the garden and just, yeah. you know, who cares about the outfits and who cares about staying clean? And who cares about the house? Just yeah. embrace life yeah. and just have fun. And, you know, it's funny. Every night when I put Kai to bed, we do um, the best bits. So, oh, he, lovely. Yeah, it's brilliant. So he goes in and I always say, OK, what was your best bit of today? And you get such insight from it. So he'll say, like, um, I loved mummy when we were hanging out the clothes on the line. And I'll be thinking, did I hang out close today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's just a task for you. Yeah. You get such insight into their little worlds. And he'll say to me, and mommy, what was your best bit? And I'll say, it could be anything. It could be we sat down and had a snuggle on the sofa. And he gets insight into my perspectives. Mm. But it also, I'm beginning to teach him to find the positives in the world. So gratitude is huge when you're in the transition. So... At night, pick three things that you did well in the bloody day instead of saying to yourself all the things you did wrong or that the jeans still don't fit or whatever it is. Pick three things that you did well in that day. Gratitude is, it's the key to joy. And it's a habit. It's a habit that your mind will start to search for the good. If you can do that every night before you go to sleep or every morning before you put your feet on the floor. What are three things that I am grateful for? What did I do well today? search for the good well Tara I am completely grateful that you accepted the invitation to join us on every mum the podcast and this is definitely going down as my best bit of today oh thank you and thanks so much for having me it's such a a huge honour an absolute pleasure and um, how can people hear more of your gold my gold Um, so I am on Instagram um, at the navigation coach and on my website um, thenavigationcoach.com Thank you so much for joining us, Tara. Uh, thanks, Amelia. Thank you for listening to Every Mum, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. You can join us on everymum.ie and follow Every Mum on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. This series is kindly supported by Water Wipes. Water Wipes are an essential for every mum from that first nappy change and during those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum, the podcast.